welcome to a better next birth podcast. This podcast is the free version where we get to hear stories from folks who've created a better next birth for themselves. Today, we get to talk to Julie and Tevin. Julie and Tevin had their baby with me as their midwife in 2022. And I think Julie, we're going to get to hear your story of giving birth to TJ and then the transition to how you decided to have a different kind of birth for Emma and all the parts in between. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah. And Kevin, I hope that we're going to get to hear a lot of your story along this path as well. It's the plan. Thank you for showing up for that. I appreciate it. All right. Yeah. So Julie, maybe just walk us through your first birth with TJ. So the first birth that was back in 2020, March to April, we did decide to have TJ at the hospital. It was our first experience as new parents, also right when COVID hit. And it was definitely a nerve wracking time. We didn't really know what to expect. And they only allowed one person in, things like that. I was about 40 weeks, I believe, when we had to go in and do the whole non-stress test. Baby's heart rate was good and everything. But they did say it was non-reassuring, which we didn't really know what that meant, but they automatically were like, okay, you can be admitted right away if you want, or we can wait till your induction date a few days later and you can come in then. I think I was at the point where we were like, let's just get this going and we'll just get induced now kind of thing. So the good news to me is that they gave you choices. That's great. Yeah. That's as it should be. And how did you guys decide that was the right time to go in? I was 41 weeks at the time. Oh, being pregnant at that point. And I just didn't really know what that meant when they said non-reassuring heart rate. So I was a little nervous if we had to wait a few days. My mom was there with me at the time. She was able to come with me until Tevin got there. Thank God. At the time, they, I think they were normally only allowing whoever was the first person to go in would be the person to stay. But fortunately, the nurses let my mom stay with me. So my mom stayed there for a few hours until Tevin could get there. But definitely, I think the whole time I was very nervous. I would, I would be nervous too if they said that my baby's heartbeat was non-reassuring. And I just want to highlight that you should have known exactly what that meant. We should have been like, this is what non-reassuring means. Here are your options. Um, so I think that's a bit of a, a bummer that you didn't have that information because maybe it would have, you might've still chosen to get induced, but at least you would have known exactly why you were doing it. Right. And how was it for you being at work and knowing that your wife was going into the hospital and you, you had to go be with her? First kid, like she said, so it was like, it was exciting, nervous. It was like everything at once. But I don't think I knew the extent of the non-reassuring part at the time. Hey, uh, your baby's on the way. You got to go. So I was just like, okay, okay. Yeah, it's just such a like movie moment in my mind where you're like, you're driving to the hospital. You're like, oh my God, we're about to have a kid. It looks like a movie in my head when I think <laughs> you drive into the hospital. And then Julie's over there and she's just waiting for you to get there. It sets itself up like a movie. Hmm? Yeah. And I think Tevin has already this, like, just hospitals in general, I think make him a little nervous. Okay. So Tevin shows up, mom has to leave. Yes. Yeah. You're probably not contracting yet. 
they did a mechanical induction first and I was only like three centimeters. I honestly didn't really feel much. I was just really nervous. But yeah, they did the mechanical induction. I think I got to five centimeters. Then they shortly after started the Pitocin and things started to pick up a little bit. I honestly feel like I was just so nervous. And I think it was just more of the unknown that made my adrenaline go up so high that I really wasn't even focusing on contractions at that point. Then finally, I think at 1 a.m. around that time, I was having really bad back labor. I didn't really get much encouragement to do things allowed me to be more comfortable at that point. I just laid in the bed the whole time. I don't really think I moved around at all until they tell you. I really just laid either on my back or on my left side. I told Tevin, I was like, all right, let's try and get some sleep or at least for him. So he could be there for the pushing. I couldn't sleep actually. I felt the contractions, but they weren't really like terrible, but it ended up just being this like really tight twisting back. Really, that was just where I was like, I just want to get some sleep at that point. And I gave in and sleep. And if it's going to get worse, like I'll just get the epidural. Got the epidural, maybe got two hours of sleep, I think. Just being numb. He was born at four in the afternoon. So that means at probably two o'clock in the afternoon, that's when I started pushing. Or that's when they said I progressed to 10 centimeters and they were just like, okay, it's ready. It's time to push. (laughs) You're really just all waiting on someone else to tell you what to do next. Instead of relying on my own body and how I feel, that's, it's nerve wracking. And they're constantly checking like how dilated I am, which was really painful. Including (laughs) when you're trying to sleep. Yes. Yes. Like even during that special two hours when you were trying to sleep, they were like, oh, we need to check you. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So like you, when you got the epidural, do you know how dilated you were? I think I was about six centimeters. Like I said, I feel like the adrenaline was high. Like I feel compared to the second time when I was six centimeters, like we knew I was progressing pretty forward. At this, at the first time when I got the epidural, I feel like we just didn't know like where we were at, right? I feel like we just went off of what they were telling us. I haven't heard you say it. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think when you start with an induction, like the whole process does rely more on the medical system because you are waiting to see what's, what's going to happen. Is the Pitocin going to work? How am I going to feel? Right. Instead of the, the process where your body gets things going on its own, and then you're listening to your body and your body's telling you like, Oh, I feel like things are moving. Like you said, I feel like things were progressing. It's just because it's coming from inside of you instead of coming from outside of you. Yes. hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I like the second time we knew that it was picking up and I actually felt waves even before I got to six centimeters. I think the second time I woke up Tevin at like one in the morning with Emma, remember? And I was like, Hey, I think I'm having like 
mm-hmm. real contractions. Like these are way different than, and I couldn't go back to sleep. So my body just, I think, knew. And the first time around in the hospital, I definitely did not have that for sure. And no one really prepared us for it. Did you take childbirth class the first time? We did. We did. That's why I asked. Because I think most people do take childbirth class and they still feel unprepared. Yes. I just think because it's when you're in it, it's so different than what you get in a classroom. No, absolutely. We felt like we were prepared. They told us when we're supposed to go in or timing and all that. And we still just, they just check you and they just say, okay, baby's heart rate's good. And we'll see you when you start contracting. But I know a lot of first time moms, like they go past the 40 or 41 weeks and the, I guess, hospital systems are just quick to be like, oh, you're at 41. We just need to get you induced kind of thing. And so that's one thing I really did wish I could have just let it come naturally. That's just one thing that no one really tells us is that even if you're at 41 and baby's heart rate's good and everything's good, he'll come or he or she will come when they come. Yeah. A lot of first babies are born at 41 weeks and three days or 41 weeks and four days. That's a really common time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, I feel like when you're that first time parent and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm 41 weeks. I'm a week past my due date. I'm so uncomfortable. And the doctors are like, I don't know about this. Then you're like, I don't know about this either. If you don't know about this, we should probably change it. If you don't think we should be pregnant anymore, I don't think we should be pregnant anymore. (laughs) Let's do this. Mm -hmm. But induction, everybody reports that it's more uncomfortable. They feel less in control of their bodies. They feel less like they know what's going on. And in your case, more nervous, more anxious. And the sound of the, just the sound of non-reassuring sounds bad. Yeah. And you're 41 weeks. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to follow whatever the doctor tells us. That's how that first one went. And then actually leading up to the pushing, they said, you're ready to push. And I said, okay. And they're asking me what positions we would like to try. You know, it's almost as if like they just, they were trying to just have me choose, which is good. But then I also wasn't informed of how else to do this. So I just laid in this normal position that they tell you to on your back and put your legs up and push that way. And Tevin was holding one leg and the nurse held the other. It didn't feel like a collaborative effort. I felt like they were more so observing and monitoring you and what's yeah. going on rather than helping us deliver the baby. I think we both learned that by realizing how they were acting. We both realized, oh, we got to figure this out. Our, like, it's just us. Yeah. And they're just here to make sure everything's safe. We're good. Yeah. But I think for the longest time, the problem was that they kept telling us while I was almost there. <laughs> we were almost oh. there. You're almost there he's right there we can see him I think that went on for like 45 yeah. minutes and we were like just stop saying yeah, that stop saying that <laughs> just, you're just saying this <laughs> you're giving us these like unrealistic mm-hmm. expectations we're thinking like five minutes and 
he didn't come for like another hour. <laughs> and if it was like something where she would have been like, okay, the way you're going, you're going to have to push for the next 10 hours. Okay, let us know. We'll push for the next 10 hours, but at least we know it's going to take us another 10 hours so we can prepare for that. I just want to say as a provider, like that's actually one of the things that I have done to people as well without meaning to. When you see the head coming, you, the provider, get really excited and you're like, okay, you're doing it. The baby's yeah. coming. But actually, you don't know when you start to see the head, you, the provider, whether it's going to be another two hours or if it's going to be like five minutes. I am learning. I got to be really careful how I tell people like, oh, your baby's coming. Your baby's coming. I think it's really motivating, but I hear what you guys are saying. You're like, but it was kind of demotivating because we were like, wait, the baby's like never coming out. Um, I think, so I think yeah. for you, uh, I could, I could tell Emma was being birthed, like when it was close by the look on your face. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot easier. Second babies. That is very true in general, like second babies. That is true, Tevin, because I, you see my face and I can see the baby's about to be born. But first babies, it's just a lot harder because they do take usually a lot longer to push out. Because they would actually tell me that a contraction is coming based on the monitor. Mm -hmm. And then that's when they were like, okay, start pushing. But it's really different when you can actually feel everything. Your body, it's just like naturally just going about what it needs to do. I don't know. I thought that whole experience was so much different and obviously way more comfortable. And we just felt like way more in control from the contraction time to all the way to when baby was born. Like it was just way more comfortable. I could labor however I wanted to. And I think like you encouraged me to do whatever makes me feel comfortable. I think it's really important too. Like in, in our case, if you are coming to me and saying, what would make me comfortable? I can suggest a couple of things, but I think that part of the process is supposed to be you discovering what makes you comfortable. Mm -hmm. I got comfort from Tevin and Katie, but I also discovered that listening to my body, I knew I needed to blank. Right. And I think that's part of the power of it. And I think Tevin was able to really discover how he could be there for me too. I think the first time around, he didn't really know how. And yeah, it's always the second time you've been through it already. Thing. Tevin, do you want to say anything about any of that? I did feel more comfortable the second time. Absolutely. It did. The the To be there. Yeah. To be no. there for me is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was more comfortable. I was just more knowledgeable and prepared. I was just, it's just it. Why do you think that is? What made you more able to support her the second time? It being the second time around, I knew what to expect a little more, so to speak. I was a little more prepared for it mentally, which helped make it a little easier. Knowing the different exercises and the positions that she already wanted to do and Having the water made it easy as well. And having you there made it a lot more comfortable, to be honest. We, we're a team and it is really collaborative. And it was so mm. beautiful, especially, I'm sure you're going to get to it, Julie, but during the actual like pushing time, I remember because it was longer than I expected for a second baby. The time from like when you started to feel like you really were going to push her out until that, until she was out was 
I don't know. I forget. It's like 45 minutes or something. Oh, which I think I I, no, I think I pushed for, well, I got, in, I think I pushed for 20 minutes, but I got in the water. It was it. when I got in the water. Yeah. I think a total of like 45 minutes being in there. Yeah, yeah. So actually it wasn't that long, 45 <laughs> minutes to be in the water. And I have here 18 minutes of pushing. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when Tevin showed up for you at that time, it was particularly gorgeous. Like just to see how he showed up, how he held your body, how you leaned into him. There's no question. He was a hundred percent part of your experience, your giving birth. Yeah. And I think even like at that point, I was probably like nine, 10 centimeters and the waves were really strong. And I was at that transition phase where I even, I think at one point was leaning over on the tub and leaning over on him. And I was like, is this going to be over soon? (laughs) But the fact that he was just even there, that was like all I needed. That's all I needed at the time. And like in our room, we had music, we had, it was just calm and yeah, just a whole different like experience. So talk us through like you're pregnant again for the second time with Emma and you're like, okay, how did you decide that you wanted something different? Like how did that, or, or did you, yeah, just walk us through that process. Gosh, we were so busy with like work and school. And then we had TJ as a toddler. So we really didn't consider it. I did, but I just never got a chance to like really dive into it until I was 36 weeks when I called you. (laughs) But I know my friend had her second or her third baby at a birth center. And so I was thinking about that, but just basically an alternative birthing experience and she told me about it and how wonderful it was and I really just wanted to see what that was like and see if if there was a better experience and just because I feel like I don't know that first experience it was I don't want to say traumatic but it was very nerve-wracking I just wanted to see what else was out there and also just to see I was like I got the epidural at six centimeters, but I really wasn't honestly feeling painful contractions. So I was like wondering if I could actually do this without that. And so that's when we started to look into midwifery care and we, I I had to get Tevin involved in it and okay with it too. I just came home and I said, Hey, what do you think about a home birth (laughs) or giving birth at a birthing center. (laughs) And I mean, obviously he was completely against it at the time. (laughs) Mostly I was against having it in our house, having the birth at our house initially. That was the thing. I was okay with a birth center. I was okay with that. I just wanted it to not be in our house at the time. I thought that if you're going to do a birth, it should be somewhere that's meant for that's design and specific having births. That's what I thought at the time. I was wrong. <laughs> I was completely wrong. I had that in my room that I walked past every day. We walked past that area where she was born. 
It's still unreal. I don't think we I know, still. We, I really I don't still don't move. believe it. I want to own this house forever. Is that true? We're gonna keep this house. We're not gonna sell it because she was born. In yeah, the we have to bring her back here. I can always bring her back here with kids. That's right. Eighteen years from now, the four of us were here. <laughs> yeah, and your mom. So five of us really, and your mom was such a big part of it too. She was so beautiful. And so, Tevin, what happened? Did you, did she convince you? Did you do the research? How did that transition happen in your brain? We went to a birth center and I got to see how they are. And as though they try to make them as homey as they can. Once I got there, I just realized I would be more comfortable in my own version of all this. <laughs> how did you go from, oh, we don't need to be in a facility? Because I went there and the facility that was meant for it tried to portray what I have at home. I realized I would be more comfortable at home. That's cool. That's cool. I've never, I've never been privy to that piece of information for a partner. So that's really cool. Thanks for letting me see that. And if you really want to know on the not as serious, we went in this place and they have really low ceilings. But at our house, we have really high ceilings. It really, it just threw me off. It just threw me <laughs> off. It just threw me off. So if you're ever going to create a, have a birthing center, I would make the ceilings high. Some people okay. might prefer the higher ceilings. I will definitely come it, consult it, it you. It feels like you're in a basement. It was really, um, didn't it feel that way? It felt like yeah, you're in a small office really building small. that they just... Put a bedroom in this office. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. I often say birth centers are great for people who actually aren't comfortable birthing in their home. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. that that would be a better option. I'm really surprised he actually went for it and <laughs> was more comfortable and, having a home birth at the yeah. time. <laughs> but honestly, once we met with you and had that first conversation, um, Tevin was hooked. Yeah. I was too. I was like, I want to work with this man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what's going to happen here. I want to, I want to be part of that. That's going to be yeah. awesome. Yeah. He's going to be the biggest 180 uh, flip. Uh-huh. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The first conversation was like, really like not, I don't always get to have that kind of magic on a first conversation at all. And I remember looking at your face and being like, oh God, I'm going to actually go there. I didn't know if you were going to be like, okay, I'm out. Bye-bye. So I tried to walk carefully into it, but then, but really like at the end of the day, I wanted to address, like, I think it's possible that your mom had a really terrible birth with you. And that's part of why you have trauma that's back there. And maybe that's affecting your ability to envision a better birth for yourselves this time. And then you let me in, you like, you actually let me talk to you about that. It was magical because you didn't shut down. Mm-hmm. You, let, you actually let me have that conversation with you. And I felt like that, a, a pivotal moment. It was because it was a real door you opened up right there that I did not see there before. And maybe that is also why I was so okay with not going to the hospital as well. <laughs> like we were scared about the whole emergency if something happened what can be done we felt comfortable after talking with you you've done this for a while now and 
you know what you're doing. So Tevin felt comfortable, I think, too, after that. Yeah, yeah. After and that. Basically, it was because I asked you, what's the worst case scenario and what do we do in the worst case scenario? And I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was enough for me to trust you. I think that's actually like the basis of why midwifery care outside of hospital works. That's the only reason we can do it is because in the worst case scenario, um, we can still provide really excellent care. I want to be really careful how I say it because there's the, there, I'm sure there's like a one in 10,000 chance a baby would have been safer born in hospital, but 9,999 times out of 10,000, the being at home does not decrease their chances of doing well long-term. And unfortunately, like that's something that I, I wish more people trusted and acted on it because some people still, they know, but they're not willing to take that chance. It's so funny, actually recording these podcasts with people because I'm okay. I'll just tell you guys, there's a couple things happening that I didn't expect. One is I'm actually getting clearer about every family is describing the benefits of staying home and having a midwife way better than I ever could. There's all these subtle details in your story that are like people think about that I think really supports the process. So you actually feel better in the process. I think that it's so beautiful that, that you are describing. And then I'm also realizing I'm just taking years of experience of you guys telling me stuff and putting it into a cohesive format so yeah. that everyone else can access it. But most of it's what you guys told me. Mm. So that's pretty freaking cool. That right? is cool. Yeah. yeah. That's how it should be. And it's like, we're all so busy with our lives that sometimes we don't really get to sit down and actually dive into the details of all of it. We just never get a chance to really sit down and express them. And so when you do and you like dive into it, it's super powerful. If I could have done this the first time, oh my goodness, like a hundred percent, I would have, I would have done this. I don't care if it would have taken a long time to, because I know this first, the second time was faster, but I think I still would have been able to, had I just known everything. Yeah, like I really wish I wouldn't have had an epidural because I have a lot of back pain from it now. He knows to this day, like it's constant and it's hard. Like I can't even, I can barely hold Emma for a good I'm still weak, like my core is still really weak, but my back is compensating to carry her. But if we did want to have more kids, like this would be so exciting to have another one do this whole thing again. (laughs) And get to start from the beginning instead of at 36 weeks. I know. Yeah, that would be so exciting. Julie, like the whole reason I'm creating this is because I feel like women and men deserve this kind of care, period. It shouldn't be like only if you can afford it. It shouldn't be that you're not getting it from the system you're in. Um, I just have a question. In other countries, do you know if like midwifery care is more prominent in those countries versus the United States? I do know the answer to that question. And absolutely, midwifery care is the norm in almost every country in the world, except for ours. It's also not common, for example, in Mexico, like the dominant paradigm right now in Mexico is that you have a hospital system. Let me just name off countries that have midwifery system as the base. Canada, 
the UK, Japan, Switzerland, Italy, Norway, New Zealand, Australia. Most of the African countries have a midwifery as the norm for, for both reasons of not having hospitals close by, but also just as the inherent culture. So yeah, most of the world uses midwives. Yeah. Which hence like why probably we have a higher C-section rate here. Yeah. But I don't think that there are higher mortality rates in those countries. There are not. We are like like 35th in uh, maternal and infant mortality. Like we are way below countries that are far less developed. And that's just because it's partly because the C-section rate is so high. And with C-sections, you get a lot more mortality and morbidity. Wow. Yeah. And we it's fixable. That's my thing. It's fixable. Yeah. We just need yeah. more and more people to understand that this is an option. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of work to do. <laughs> so it's awesome that you're doing this. Yes. One step at a time. We're going to do it. Yeah. I'm yes. So yes. So did we actually get to hear the birth of Emma? We got right we up get, into it. We talked a little bit about it here and there. Will you describe for us Emma's birth? It was amazing. I feel like I could do anything now that I went through that and I had Emma that way. Just even in comparison to his birth, I had no complications. And then just in terms of pushing, like I was in a way different position on my knee. I honestly was just in a whole vibe. Like, I feel like it was just that my body knew what to do. And because I was in the comfort of the people that I trusted and I felt safe with, mm-hmm. too, I was in an environment that I was safe with and comfortable in. I think with TJ's birth, I was one, just also very uncomfortable and two, surrounded by people I didn't know. And I I was more concerned about their comfort. So even that, like I was just concerned about other people's needs, like, you know, um, when I know that it shouldn't have been that way. And with Emma's birth, I didn't care what anybody else felt. (laughs) I just was more comfortable with making sure I was able to safely birth Emma and I was able to do that all naturally and she was bigger I'm just so like amazed as to how I was able to do that and the surges like yes the contractions were painful but gosh I don't even know how I could explain it I feel like the pain in the first birth was more painful because it was like in my back than this one like this one was more just felt like waves of the surges of the contraction and not necessarily pain. I don't know how else to describe it, but I felt like with TJ, it was more pain with this one with Emma. It was more just waves of, okay, I need to just get through the next minute and a half. And I was able to do that. And yes, it was a lot faster, but I feel like even if it was the first time around and it lasted longer, I would still probably be able to get through that and just heal more quickly as well with it. But even just the positioning of birthing her on one leg, and it was honestly just like whatever was I was in the position at the time, because I think you tried to get me to lean back or because you were like, sit back and catch your baby, I think is what you said. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> like, 
I can't like, but you're like, yes, you can. And so, cause you probably just knew at that point, like she was right there. She's coming out and like looking back at the video recording of it, it was almost as if I really just caught her. But even then, like, I am just so amazed at how that all unfolded and how I know you got a little like, all right, I'm going to step back a little bit <laughs> moment, but was, I'm surprised you lasted that long. <laughs> to be it honest. was good though. Cause it was, that was the, another part that was different because we got to be with her after she was born. Oh like, yeah. Not, yeah. There wasn't one point where Katie grabbed her and took, took her away her. in another room and came back. She was with us the entire time. Yeah. And Katie was like making sure that like, here's your baby. Here, yeah. Take her. Take her. Yeah. With TJ, they took him right away. They did. I think they did. They put him on my chest. I think. They oh, you on. did get him a little bit for skin to skin. And then they took him right away because they wanted to suction him and do all the things and make sure he was breathing and just like it that all that moment like Tevin had to step out of the room because he was gonna he was just it was too much there was they called all these people in I feel like there were like 20 people in our room at that time and he just couldn't handle it it was just too much and then here even though it's that that point is always like really nerve-wracking and just is baby gonna breathe on but I feel like she took a minute less than that or I don't know I'm not sure how long but she was able to get there without all the interventions so it was really nice to just be able to have her do that on me with Tevin right there and not have to all the all the things it was just a nice like amazing moment that we were able to have together and she was fine like <laughs> she was fine if anything we felt more uncomfortable at teach of about tj's mm-hmm. birth, birth like right and then so many nurses come in the room yeah we were so like nervous because we just didn't know what was going on and they just all came rushing in and yeah, it was very uncomfortable. And I thought I was going to lose Tevin for a second. I thought he was going to pass out. Yeah. Yeah. He was, but here, I don't even think you, did you ever feel? Oh, there were a couple of times. I yeah. Yeah. There was a couple of times. Yeah. That's going to happen. Deep breaths. Breathing through it. But yeah, Emma's birth was great. Oh, yeah. And the oh. fact that we got to hold her in the water, like Tevin and I were holding her in the water for a little bit, and she was just awake and alive and just looking at us like in the water even as she was like connected to me still it was crazy like I don't even know how to how else to describe everybody should have that experience that should be the experience everybody has yeah 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 I wish for that too I wish (laughs) everybody should have that experience too and it's not 
that's not a crazy wish. That's just how birth is designed. Mm -hmm. Unless there's an actual medical complication, which does happen, but that's how birth is designed is that everybody gets that experience that you're describing. Mm -hmm. Um, And even what's that? We're almost everybody. Like, unless you have a medical complication, if we left birth to its own, to the way it's supposed to work, then everybody would get that experience that you had. Yeah. I didn't know how verbal I was going to be. <laughs> I was gonna be. Because remember we talked, we thought I've watched all these birthing videos on Instagram and all these things. And they're all so quiet. <laughs> peaceful. <laughs> but like I said, I didn't care at the time. I was just doing what my body needed to do <laughs> to get him out Um, so I guess I I thought I was a lot louder than I actually (laughs) yeah because you you've watched the video yes yeah so you actually know how it sounded yeah yeah Yeah. but I'm okay with it (laughs) is it very different to watch the video than how it felt in your body Yes, I felt like I was like screaming off the top of my lungs. And uh, I don't know, I, like I said, I feel like I was just in this bubble. I don't know how to explain it. It was just this huge, like something took over me, whatever it was that like, I don't even, it's so empowering. Like it was just my body went into this mode of like, birth (laughs) so it just knew what to do like I didn't have to I didn't have to like at the hospital they were telling us to push here like it just did it I don't know how to explain that better but no that's very true that's very true especially because you had an induction and an epidural like it makes sense that you didn't have that sensation and then when it was time for a natural birth your body, like you're saying, like you didn't, I don't think you once asked me like, what position should I be in when I was, when you were pushing? I think, no, you just know, you know what you need. Just like when you go to the bathroom or you're having sex, like, you know what you need. And so then you can just do that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's really cool to hear your, like how powerful it, like that you were overtaken. Like I got this in the bubble that you're describing. That's a really cool, that really helps me understand what it might've been like for you. Yeah. And it's also, I just, it wasn't even to where a point where I was like, oh, I have no choice. Like I have to do this. No, it was just like naturally just happening. Like I never felt constrained or pressured or whatever she just it was like a dance like we just worked together and then she was just basically telling me like we're coming (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming out yeah I'm getting more than I have in the past like how once in a lifetime it is oh yeah really different than anything else you go through Mm -hmm. yeah yeah 
I thought was. that same thing earlier, but I didn't say it because uh, it's only once in a lifetime for us because <laughs> we're not having any more. But people uh, can do this as many times as they want. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than a once in a lifetime yeah. experience. Yeah, if you wanted to have this experience over and over, you could, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it just takes off. There's a little thing at the end that you have to take care of if you do this. Yes. Uh -huh. So you can't just do it for the experience. Right? <laughs> it's like jumping out of an airplane. Yeah. Yeah, there's a big consequence at the end of this. Yes. <laughs> it, this is the only thing I would say that I would, that is the hardest thing I would ever do again mm. Mm. this is the only thing that i would ever choose to ever do again that's the hardest thing i've ever done because like typically when someone says oh that was the hardest thing i've ever done i would never do it again but i would do it again if we wanted more kids <laughs> but i and i would choose to like 100 percent, mm. um, and not just to have a kid but have it in this way yeah yeah. That's so beautiful, Julie. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Maybe you guys should think, I've told you this before, maybe you should think about having another one. Just, just. Too soon, Katie. Too soon. <laughs> I a, a, I got, for you, Katie, it's always going to be too soon. Mic drop. <laughs> I'm already getting full over here. My, my. <laughs> <laughs> she still has milk. I I gotta I gotta relieve myself. Pretty. <laughs> Any kind of parting words for the audience listening, for the moms and dads out there? I would say that this is a really personalized care experience. Very personalized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's great. Yep. Great. I made a video yesterday. I'll send you guys a link. It's five minutes, so I can't send you the video. And it just really struck me. It's been this week in particular, I think because of these podcast things I'm doing, it's really striking me that, oh, like I, I love that it is so personalized. Like I give to you. And in the giving to you, I also get to receive a lot. And so it's this, like, it just blows my mind how collaborative this process actually is between yeah. us. You know? Like getting to see you guys thrive, getting to see you be so happy with your experience, getting to see you deliver your baby, Julie, and then hold her and Tevin like right there. Um, and it's just, it's all such such an incredible thing to get to observe it's and it's so beautiful yeah it is I think it's like beautifully raw yeah <laughs> it wasn't like Tevin holding her in a blanket like it was like holding her just all natural like we're <laughs> in the water he never even thought about touching that water until she was born and his whole arms, like everything was, half your body was like in the water. Do you remember? 
<laughs> I was like, he doesn't realize that he's actually like in this water right now. <laughs> I don't think I care. What you <laughs> he would have gone over face first if he'd have realized. Yeah, yeah. So it's great. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it again. Yeah. Next year. Okay. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Podcast? Podcast. Yeah. Podcast. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh. Thank you guys very much for sharing your story with all the folks out there and with me. It's really cool to get to hear it in that sort of timeline with both TJ and Emma. So thank you for sharing. Yes. Thank you. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. We're super yeah. happy to. Good. <laughs> All right. I'm going to end it now. And then um, when I'm back, when this is edited, I will definitely send you guys like the edited version. And, oh, okay. And if I haven't already, Julie, I'll invite you to the, did I already invite you to the audio course? I think you sent me like the link to it. Is yeah. that what it is? Oh, okay. So you have access to that. So anyway, I'll make sure you guys get this. And then when I'm back, I'll come visit you guys and we'll have some special tequila yeah oh yes yes that sounds great it's good stuff out there right that's right (laughs) and Tevin loves the picture on on your website by the way (laughs) it's great wait no I just it's funny because I showed him um oh the one where he's like this yeah (laughs) She didn't tell me what she was going to do with the picture. <laughs> I did. I said I wanted to use it to be to show people like the before and after. Here's yeah. the guy who was a tough customer. He was like, you better be protecting my wife and child. I don't know. I don't know about this. And then and then he's like, oh, wow, this was really great. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. No, it's good. No, it's it's good. good. Is it acceptable? Yes. <laughs> Kevin, if it wasn't. You would, would be okay. Would definitely tell you. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I was like, oh wow, no, it was just funny because we saw it, and I, I was like, I showed them. Yeah, I was I like, wow, <laughs> there was nothing serious about their face. Oh, <laughs> she could see all my teeth right behind me, barely. <laughs> and I was like, wow, you like look, you're the face of. This I know that's how she presented it. That's how I presented it. Katie made the face of her website. Look, I was like, "What?" <laughs> she didn't tell I tried me that. to tell you guys. I want. I'm basically <laughs> making you the face of the brand. It's true. We'll take okay. all the photos we can get. All right. Okay. Good. <laughs> all right. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Thank you again. I will, and I'll be in touch in a week or so. Yes. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye.